That is so well said. And it's so easy to say and so hard to do, right? It is. Because you can lose faith. I mean, there's times where you're just like, this is impossible. <laughs> but you you just, it, it goes back to the word you used before. It's that perseverance and the, the never get up, give up. And um, I don't know how many times you'll hear me say it. I even have a t-shirt that says, make it happen. You, you just, you make it happen. Love that. And, you know, as I think back to that last section of what you were talking about, there were there were three or four like golden nuggets. I'm going to go back and listen to this again and take notes. <laughs> there was a part in there where, you know, it was like, focus your energy where you will have success. Right. And to a certain extent, that just that makes sense. Right. But there's so often what I found in in my career where I have to make a conscious decision. It's like, no, I want to win this person over. And it's like, no, stop, just, just stop. And in, in the marketing world, um, there's uh, Moore's law of new product introduction or something to that effect um, is essentially, or, or um, yeah, an adoption, right? Is that there's, there's innovators, early adopters, early majority, late majority. And what I found in change management is I, I've started applying that that same um, that same approach to it. Uh, Jeffrey Moore, it's exactly the same. Yeah, was what it was. Yeah, um, and it was yeah, it was just like okay, there's people when you're trying to change a culture or change a process. To your point, focus where people where you're wanted, and then just move down the move down the curve, right. Absolutely. But I've also found that don't ignore the people that are resisting. Listen to what what they're saying, because sometimes there's nuggets and why they're resisting. And if you can address that resistance, I mean, sometimes that's when you can start to win people over. I mean, sometimes there's real reasons that you don't you're not aware of from a cultural standpoint or whatever it may be. And so don't always completely ignore them, but don't spend a lot of energy trying to win people over. I, I like the way you said that. And the way I think about it is to that point, I want to have the conversation with them. I want to understand what their reason is. And if they're um, if they're just a slow adopter, right, because they're super conservative and they don't want to they don't want to rock the boat or whatever that's where i'm like okay great go go do you i'm gonna go focus on this to your point if they've got a legitimate concern they could be an early adopter but they've got this concern okay we'll address that um and then there's also the people that i call the non-adopters right that are just never going to get on board and those are the ones that i think i i struggle with the most because the you've got to realize at some point you recognize that they're just a non-adopter, right? And and then you got- And that's to- okay, as long as they're not sabotaging what you're trying to do. And then that's a whole different situation and conversation, right? Yep. But if they're just, I, I'm here, I'm gonna go along for the ride, but I'm not gonna, you know, gonna, I'm not gonna help, help you. But the, as long as they're not getting in the way or hindering or holding others back. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so um, let's let's look at you today. And you're the senior vice president of human resources for a multinational company. Um, 
you interface with a variety of global leaders and, and business people. But what people probably don't know and they can't see, right, is you're five feet tall, right? <laughs> and you've, you've developed this, uh, this habit of resilience, right, and get it done. It's, it's hard for anybody to get a seat at the table. You found a way to get a seat at the table with a diminutive stature. Did I say that word correctly? Right. <laughs> with a, did did that ever cross your mind? And did you, how did how did you think about it? Well, Mike, it's interesting that you bring that up. Do you know what the average height is of CEOs, American CEOs? Six two. It's six feet, which is, yeah, which is a couple inches taller than the, the average average American. So absolutely. Um, you know, early, I, I just grew up. I didn't know what size I was or that it mattered, right? It, it still sometimes it, uh, surprises me when I see photographs. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize they were so much taller than I am. Um, I, I should send you some photographs with just some team photos, but you can always pick me out because I'm in front and I'm the shortest one. I, I, I think that my father just raised me with such a self-confidence that, um, that it never crossed my mind that I was smaller than everyone else or that I was shorter than everyone else or that I was a female. I mean, none of those things ever crossed my mind should ever hold me back. And there was, there's one time, one time in my life, I remember um, using my height as an excuse. I was in, uh, believe it or not, I played basketball. Uh, so it was my, my freshman year of, of um, basketball. I was in practice and I was super frustrated. And you know how you, you have people, student, other students that help assist so one of these uh, gentlemen was trying to teach me to do free throws. And I just said, I can't do it. I'm too short. And he got on his knees at the free flow line and shot the basketball and made it. He goes, and I, so I have never used my height as an excuse ever again. And so I, I just, I, I think that self-confidence. And then I also think going, I mentioned at Purdue taking Taekwondo and I, my first thought was I'll take a self-defense class and I do it for a semester, but then it lead, it led into 15, 16 more years of uh, taking, uh, taking Taekwondo also gives me a confidence as well. So, I mean, I, I've dropped 250 pound guys to the ground. I mean, I, I can do that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, so there's a, there's an inner confidence from, from a size perspective, but it doesn't mean it doesn't go unnoticed. I have, I've had, plenty of situations where I've had bigger men um, try to intimidate me. Uh, one situation uh, during uh, the time actually Siemens was acquiring um, my business and, uh, you know, there's, you know, during acquisitions, there's a lot of you don't know what's going on or the timing. Um, unfortunately, um, Siemens was acquiring another business at the same time and they had mentioned they were going to close one of the factories. And I had this really large um, uh, gentleman, Chuck, who ends up being a teddy bear later on, but huge man, 6'6 six, six at best. I mean, just huge mountain over. It's just walked right up to me, stood over me and looked down and 
said, what is going on? Is this factory closing or what? And I was like, Chuck, I don't know. Bullshit. Yes, you do. And I mean, just, and, you know, I just, I just stood there and, and talked to him, you know, talked to him and, you know, brought him down. And, but, and then I had another gentleman who, um, you know, vice president of engineering, he insisted on calling me little one. I mean, it just, you know, just the, sort of those microaggressions that you hear about and, and you just, you just, you just can't let those things rattle you, but um, it's definitely, I mean, I, I got to tell you this one. <laughs> so um, there was a gentleman I worked with. And so I very, 29 years old, promoted into uh, a, a leadership role at a manufacturing company. They never had a, a woman at that, in that level of leadership. And um, I'm, you know, super excited, you know, young, excited uh, about this opportunity. And I'm moving into the, the big office. And this is the age of big offices with a conference table and just just huge. And I have no idea what my predecessor did in there, but there was a hole in the wall. So maintenance was in there fixing the hole in the wall. Who knows? <laughs> I didn't, don't, don't ask. But so he's in there fixing the hole in the wall and he's painting and, and I'm settling into my desk and the, the head of sales comes in and big guy, you know, I, I don't know. He was also well over six feet, big guy, probably played football back in the day. And he's walks in and he's, you should paint it pink. And I was like, why would I paint it pink? And he just froze and walked out of the office. <laughs> so, I mean, so there, there are with these, you know, there's these funny stories through, throughout, um, uh, you know, just where people, you know, whether they want to inject their size or the gender, you just don't know how to kind of manage through that. But I, I just, you can't focus on those, those pieces, right? You got to focus on the things in your career that um, where you're making a difference, where you're making things happen, where you're having impact. And I very early in my career realized that human resources is a, it's a thankless job. You hear about, when things aren't going right, you you see things and have to investigate things that you you can't unsee and you wish you, you could. But then um, you'll get a note or a thank you or a comment from someone. And I started to keep a file um, that I called my kudos file. And I'll and back in the day it was a folder. Now it's you know it's electronic. That when you're having those days where you feel like you can't do anything right or it's not going well, you pull those things out and. That's why you do it. You you do this because you know that you're having an impact on someone, and it may not. It may be years later. I I received a phone call, and I haven't probably talked to this person for ten years, and they they just wanted to thank me because I had just made such an impact, and it was just something that I said to them one day, and and I had no idea no, no idea. And then 10 years later, they said, I, I've been really thinking about you. And I just felt like I needed to tell you how impactful that was. So th those are the things that you, that you, why you do this, not the, the jerks that I, I, I have another great story, but I, I don't know if you want me to share that one too, but not the jerks that, you know, pick on you because of your size or your gender or, you know, or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I think that's something that I do believe in a society we are getting so much better at, which is just seeing people for people. Um, 
And I mean, yeah, we can go look through the news and scour and find all the things that are going wrong and don't make, don't, don't believe for a second, the news, they sell and what sells is fear, uncertainty, doubt, problems, right? Those things that I was listening to a speaker recently and they've done a variety of research and essentially it was um, fear and anger is what sells and the algorithms that are created in the social media are designed, right? The algorithms are designed to find things that make you angry. The algorithms are designed to find things that you click on. What you, what people typically click on are things that excite them in some form or fashion. And typically those are negative, right? And so what happens is it, as you click on those things, more of that things start showing up, right? Because you clicked on it because the algorithm is designed just to give you more of what, whatever it was that you clicked on. And so what I find myself doing just in my life, just for a mental health purpose is it's like, no, I'm going to think about positive things. I'm going to engage in these positive aspects of it. And one of the things that I've just intentionally choose to do is I, I choose to believe that by and large, the overwhelming majority of society wants what's best, right? And they they truly want to do the right thing. Are there crooks and criminals and people that are going to, you know, fake, like you said, fake, a, a, you know, a family member's deaths or something so they can get a day off? Yeah, there's going to be people that do that sort of thing. And you know what? We'll deal with it when it comes up. But Right, right. But I, I want to focus my time and my attention on the ones that are here to be on the team and let's go get something done right. No, absolutely. And so I, I love what you're talking about and I love the approach that you've taken through this, right? You have just got a genuine positive outlook on life and the way that you approach things. Are you familiar with John Gordon? Yes. Yes. The power of positivity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, energy, energy bus. I think is what I just recently read. Yeah, I think that was that was his first book, and now he's got where he's cranking out like one or two or three books a year, like that. Uh, but part of it is he's he's co-writing them with other people, right? And it's it's a similar story that's applied in a different setting for a different audience, if that makes sense. Um, so I think he's got one for sports and one for agriculture and one, you know, there are all these different aspects of it. So it's great. So on that, talking about the energy bus, so just to demonstrate what a learner I am. So what I, I have a, with my team, a, a book club. And so part of, um, you know, it's totally optional with, I have a, about 55 or so HR, um, people on my team across the Americas. So I'm responsible for Canada, US, Mexico, Brazil. And we pick a book and we we did Energy Bus um, back in January or so. But then I asked for volunteers to facilitate and lead the conversation. So it's again, an opportunity for members of my team to, to step up and develop new skills and so learn something, but also with the facilitation skills. And we have a lot of fun with with that and and I every time we we do whether it's a book or if I send someone to training the one payback is you have to come back and share it with the rest of the team 
And it's, it's just something that I've done for many, many years, but it's always something that gives me a, a lot of energy. And I, I really, it was fun to read that book with the team. That's great. Do you have, so over the years, do you have like a go-to couple of books or authors that you're like, yeah, these are, these are staples. Uh, I, well, I always come back to um, Clifton Strengths, Scallops, Strengths Finder. So there's a lot of like strengths-based leadership, uh, strengths-based selling, I mean, just different ones. Because I, I think if I, like number one, if you ask me what's, what's really important uh, is know yourself, control yourself, right? So if you know yourself, you know your strengths, you know how you show up, you know what it looks like um, when you overuse that strength. You know what it's like when you're stressed, what what emerges when you're stressed. All of those are things that are super important. And so I, I think I always sort of gravitate towards things in, in that space. Uh, and, and and to me, that's, that's really important. But I, I read everything and listen. I, I've actually gotten into um, doing more audible books. I, I do like the feeling of, of reading a book. I, I found when I, um, I moved from Colorado back to Indiana, I lost my running community, which was a little bit of my morning therapy of the, the, the women I ran with. We would get together and we would do a lot of talking. So now uh, I listen to books and I feel like somebody's talking to me. So I'm doing a lot more listening um, to books. But if somebody recommends something and, you know, I'll, I'll gravitate to that and, and read it. So I don't have any one's kind of go to, but I, I do like personal stories of perseverance and how people have overcome difficult situations and and just that mindset and perspective and how they how they worked through that. So th those things. And I, I like stories like Energy Bus that are in a story format. It's short, it's easy to read, it's easy to apply those concepts to to your work life. I love it. Did you ever read Ken Blanchard along the way? And yeah. Yeah. One of the books that I found from him that's it, it's similar to the energy bus, it's slightly different. It was Gung Ho, right? Yeah, Gung Ho. Actually, I think you might have been the person that recommended it to me when I read it. <laughs> I may have been. That was a while yeah. back. So yeah, I, I love that book. That's that's one of my go-tos. Um and because there's a, a formula in there, right, which is a good culture equals um, IR squared income, recognition and rewards. Right. Right. So income, people have to be able to pay their bills. If you want them to be able to focus on things at work, they can't be worried about covering bills at home. Right. And then. Exactly. Yeah. Um, recognition right on the spot call them out for doing great things and, you know, and then reward them along the way to help reinforce that. So that's. And that's been extremely important in this climate, right? We we're living in very, very strange times, right? It's, it's not an easy time to be in, in human resources, you the, the pandemic, um, inflation, supply chain issues, uh, baby boomers retiring, uh, the gig economy changing the way people work. It just, there's so many thing, factors, right? 
So pay and making sure you're paying competitive, competitively for the work that you're you're asking people to do is 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 very important, but it has an impact on the bottom line. So finding that that balance between what people need and what the business needs and and doing the right thing is really important. So that that has been an important focus of mine for the for the last couple of years is to make sure that we're not only um, providing a good place to work with a good culture and people want to be there, but they're being paid competitively. So when it comes down to it, you know, leaving for a few extra pennies isn't, isn't going to make you make a decision. Right. But if you're so far off, you have to make that call, right. You've got to take care of your family and pay those pay, pay your mortgage and all the other things. It doesn't matter how good your culture is. If you're not competitive, People have to take those calls. So that's been an important focus is to make sure we've been market competitive. I love that. Now, did you have to deal with the whole great resignation issue? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Not only for the organization, but for my department. Um, so I about 40% of my HR team um, has turned over. So most of within the last year, year and a half, had to work through that as well. There's such a demand for great HR people with, you know, it's just, it's a hard job right now. And, um, you know, you just take that as opportunity, but we, we, March of 2022, we were about 35% turnover. And so happy to say, knock on wood, this past month, I, I think we were, we were less than 10%. But we had to address a lot of things. We had to address the culture. We had to address competitive pay. And we had to look at things very differently. Um, Doing some great work. I mean, if you asked me earlier, you know, things that I'm proud of, one of the things I'm really proud of at Dormacaba is uh, March 8th of 2022, I launched the the Women's Network. And... uh, a lot of a lot of work and strategy behind the scenes to get to that point but you know making it a place that that women want to stay to and the people women are attracted to and developing you know opportunities for them to grow and develop and impl- implementing um, lean in circles which is peer to peer mentoring and it, it's it's just and then last week we were um, a premier sponsor to the security industry's first women's uh, conference. And I took 13 women to Nashville and we went, went through a conference. So we're just, we're doing some great things on development of people. We also uh, empowered uh, internal employee-led group. They wanted to call themselves Culture Club. And I tried to advise them that that name was already taken by an 80s band, but I think it was just showing my age a little bit. Uh, they, they, they insisted they wanted to be called the Culture Club, and they're doing some amazing things. And it's 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 not me. It's it's you know me and the leadership team empowering employees to to create a culture that people want to be a part of, and just doing some real some really great things from competing in uh, the corporate challenge to you know, last week was. Leading up to Father's Day, they were doing a contest on, you know, the best dad joke, and um, it, just, you know, just some very cool things, right? Just, but it's, it's creating a culture that 
that you want to be a part of. And, and I think that's helped us with our turnover. It's not just about pay, it's about culture and employees getting involved. And the women's network is led by employees. The culture club is led by employees. And we're doing all of these things that are employee led and they're investing their time and energy to, to make it a great place. It's, as you know, culture is not, you know, what we put on paper and the leaders say, this is our culture. It's, it's the people that make it every day and how they make it fun. That's so, so okay. Real quick, as we wrap up, there's a story that you told me that I don't think we've touched on, which is, I think you married your high school sweetheart. I did. Yeah. So growing up, you you know, we moved around. I don't, I don't think I moved around as much as you moved your kids around and you weren't in the military, but um, when I was uh, in high school, we moved from uh, Reese Air Force Base in Lubbock, Texas to Grissom Air Force Base in the middle of Indiana, Bunker Hill, Indiana. And um, I, I met um, my husband, Justin, and we started dating. I was 16. He's a few months younger than me, 15. Um, we dated 10 years. And after 10 years, we uh, got married and we're getting ready to hit, gosh, 26 years this fall. So 36 years total together. Congratulations. So we grew up together and been on our been on our journey together. That's awesome. I love hearing stories like that, right? It's just amazing when you can hear about folks that they saw it all the way through, right? And grew up together. I, I, I like that, that phrase. I heard a friend of mine use it a couple of years back when they were talking about their marriage and that they got married. I think they, they started dating, you know, early in college and got married shortly after that. And they just have grown up together. Um, and there's a lot to be said for just going through life, all of those life stages together, right? Um, yeah. Cause it's not all sunshine and roses, right? It is not, it's not there. There's, it's, there's difficult times, but there's, there's things that you do, um, to help support each other. Right. So that's another thing I, I, I think of my strength is, we we don't have the typical, you know, man goes to work, you know, wife has kids, you know, raises kids. I mean, it, we're very atypical of of what society says is a, a normal family. But you know, he's um, completely supported me, and you know, whenever I've wanted to make a, a job change or a career change or move, I've I've moved him a few times now. Um, it, it's it's been together. You know, we have those conversations and we. We, we talk about it and we work through it and we, we, we just, it's always a partnership of working through that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm not always positive and I get down and frustrated and, you know, he'll say the right thing at the right time. And you're like, oh yeah, right. I got to remember this or I got to remember that. And he adds, he adds a lot of perspective and grounds me. So, and supports me. And make make sure that I'm that I'm doing the right things to take care of myself. And um, it's it's been it's been good. It's been. But you're right. It's not easy. But it's it's something that we work on together. And now we have a. Uh, we don't have children, but we a little over a year and a half ago we uh, took on a cat named Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps us pretty busy, so he's like having a child. <laughs> but uh, it's it's 
it's just us and together and we we support support each other. I love it. Sabrina, thanks so much. This has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed catching up. And just want to say thank you again. Absolutely, Mike. This was this was a great, great time to spend with you and catch up with you. And I appreciate it. Likewise. All right. I'm hitting and oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I um I have a passion for people development. So if if anyone wants to to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm really passionate about helping people develop in their career, or if they want to talk about um, how, you know how to set up a women's network or do do things at their organization, I, I'm super passionate about those things. Perfect. All right. Um, you'll see I've got a note in there. They're going to clean this up a little bit. I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm going to just say, hey, thanks again. And um, if people want to get in touch with you or reach out to you about anything, what can we do? And I apologize. I should have done that. I know to do that. And I totally will. So, all right. Um, Hey, Sabrina, thank you again. I really appreciate it. You've had some incredible stories that we've talked about here. You've made a difference in so many people's lives. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? I, I think the best way to to get in touch with me would be through LinkedIn. And I'll, I think I can give you my yep. contact and you can post it in this and with an email or something. But Mike, I am passionate about people, people development, and for companies to do do the right thing around uh, developing their people and putting people in the right place at the right time, uh, doing the right things. So if if anyone wants to reach out to me to talk to any of their groups or how I went about developing the women's network, I would be happy to to interact and talk to someone. So just contact me through LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you again. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll be catching up with you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care.